Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Paper Ghosts is a production of iHeartRadio. Throughout the decades I've been covering true crime, I've looked into more than 100 missing persons and murder cases. I've interviewed scores of law enforcement, victims' families, even killers themselves, all to gain a better understanding of how investigations are handled and the tools law enforcement use to develop information and solve crimes. Much has changed over the years, but in the past decade or so, I've witnessed a major shift, one that I hadn't anticipated. The emergence of a new group of investigators, citizen sleuths. And nowhere is that phenomenon more obvious than in Tammy Zawicki's case. Oh, there was all kinds of stories, you know, you'd read uh, that uh, she was picked up by a stranger, uh, some guy in a truck stopped to help her, uh, another guy in a pickup truck. Patrick Jones is the founder of the Who Killed Tammy Zawicki Facebook group, a passionate collection of Tammy's friends, family members, true crime buffs, and citizen investigators. Well, the Facebook page, it grew like you wouldn't believe, I mean... 
I was hoping, oh, maybe we'll get 100 people, 200 people. And I think today I'm trying to look at it right now. We've got over 4,000 members on there. Patrick started the Facebook group in 2009. He didn't know Tammy, but was drawn to her story. The Sun-Times had a, a picture of Tammy on the front page. And I looked at her and I was thinking, I got a daughter about the same age. While working my way through Tammy's case, I felt that the group warranted a closer look. For what it's worth, I'm not a fan of online sleuthing. Citizen sleuths have the power to shift the narrative in a case. They can interfere with investigations, accuse innocent people of a crime. More than anything, though, they can inject themselves into someone else's story. And, for better or worse, some members of the Who Killed Tammy Zawicki Facebook group have succeeded in doing just that. Another article came out like 13, 14 years ago, whatever it was, about Tammy's case. And I was reading it and I said, you know what, maybe I'll put something on Facebook. I'll offer a reward. You know, I have, I think I put a thousand dollar reward or something. Today, Patrick works as a firearms instructor and an engineer at the Forest Preserves. Before that, he worked part-time as a police lieutenant in a village outside Chicago. We had like four or five members, which they were all police officers. All, all the guys at the police department jumped on right away, you know, as a favor so I could build it a little. And... Then along came Robert. Robert was hugely instrumental in developing the website with me, or Facebook page. Robert Cutleric is someone I met in the earliest days of my investigation. You might remember him from the first episode. He's the archaeologist who grew up a town over from Tammy in New Jersey and has developed a close friendship with Joanne Zawicki over the years. Like Patrick, He's also an administrator of the Facebook group. He's dug up so much stuff, it's unbelievable. On our Facebook page, um, we've got a file section that's just phenomenal. You could go through there and read everything about uh, who they've investigated over the years, who they've ruled out. And Robert's been in contact with the all the various agencies that have been helping out, FBI, state police, and what have you. A lot of good has come from the Facebook group. Several of Tammy's old friends and peers are members, which made it easy to reach out to them for this podcast. Patrick and Robert were also immensely helpful in the earliest days of my research, providing me with documents and valuable contacts. More than anything, the Who Killed Tammy Zawicki Facebook group provides a real sense of community for those mourning Tammy. Time and again, I was struck by the effort folks like Robert and Patrick put into keeping Tammy's story alive and finding ways to honor her memory. Mostly, we're talking about decent people with good intentions. They want to help, and they genuinely care about the Zwicky family. But good intentions are often not enough. And in this case, the Facebook group can sometimes become a place where speculation and conspiracy is allowed to exist and ultimately cast doubt on innocent people. When you started the page, were you getting tips? Yeah, we actually, we were getting... What, would, what was the first big major tip that you got? The, the, the biggest thing we ever got was that, uh, oh, what the hell's his name? The guy that found the body, uh, 
Lonnie DeMott. Lonnie DeMott. Previously on Paper Ghosts. He came in, he was posting like a son of a bitch, and then people were, all of a sudden, everybody was asking him questions like you wouldn't believe. I think he wanted to confess to something, in my opinion, that he wants to say, hey, here's what happened. Do you remember the type of watch she was wearing? And did the watch play that song, Rain? Raindrops keep falling on my head. She was wearing that watch. Yeah. I've done this a long time. And I just thought, whoa, bingo. How many coincidences can there be here? My name is M. William Phelps. I'm an investigative journalist and author of more than 40 true crime books. This is Season 3 of Paper Ghosts. In Plain Sight. There has been a cloud of suspicion lingering over Lonnie DeMont since the day he discovered Tammy's body. Lonnie, you may recall, is the repairman from Missouri who stopped his truck to cover his tools back in September of 1992 and stumbled upon Tammy's body. Like many of those interested in Tammy's case, Lonnie joined the Facebook group in 2020 and began answering questions from its members. Lonnie DeMott, he got on there and he just started acting goofy, putting all kinds of stuff out. And we've got screenshots of everything that he put out. And he just, to me, it seems a little weird with him. Like Patrick, Robert Cutleric is suspicious of Lonnie DeMott, though for different reasons. In his view, Lonnie has given varying accounts of how and why he came upon Tammy's body. The reasons given for him coming off the highway depends on what source you read. The earliest reference was that he had stopped to relieve himself. Later, in 1993, with the publication of the People magazine article, it says that, and this is coming from the man himself, Lonnie DeMott, that he pulled over because he wanted to cover up the tools in the back of his vehicle. Now, fast forward to... 2021, People Magazine uh, did a television production on Tammy's case. They interviewed Mr. DeMont, and Mr. DeMont said that he got out of his vehicle to move his tools into the cab of the vehicle. So we have some discrepancies as to what actually was going on there. Robert says he doesn't know the origin of the story about Lonnie DeMont stopping to relieve himself. Neither did Lonnie when I asked him about it last summer. There's another report of, you said you stopped to take a piss, did you? No, I stopped to get my tools out of the back of the truck. There has been a lot of energy focused on Lonnie DeMont's recollections from that day, some of which were made nearly 30 years after the fact. Among them, the order in which Lonnie and the state trooper handled Tammy's body. The original story, as heard from Mr. DeMott, was that the police officer was squeamish and and was nervous about cutting open the blanket, and Lonnie volunteered to do it for him. And he says that he cut the blanket open, and the officer was the one who cut the sheet. However, he posted 
on Facebook in a comment the opposite. That the officer cut the blanket and he cut the sheet. I mention all this not to discredit anyone, but rather to show the ways in which cyber sleuthing can become problematic. You can't speculate that a guy might be guilty of murder because of a spotty recollection from 30 years ago. Lonnie has a vested interest in the case, and his presence in the Facebook group does not strike me as suspicious in any way whatsoever. He found Tammy's body. It makes sense why he'd want to see what was going on with the case. Regardless, there are those who continue to believe that Lonnie's involvement at the crime scene was intentional, a stealthy way to account for his DNA being left at the scene. So your gut is that he's got something to do with it? I honestly think that, yes. I don't think that he's been ruled out, you know, by, by the law enforcement, but I think he's got something to do with it. It's just too coincidental. As it turns out, law enforcement would make an effort to rule Lonnie DeMont out as a suspect. Hi, Mr. DeMont. My name is I'm with the FBI out of Joplin, Missouri. And when you have an opportunity, could you please... Give me- Lonnie says a case agent from one of the FBI's Missouri field offices reached out in 2021 to get his version of events and also request a sample of his DNA. He says the first time he listened to that voicemail, he thought it was a joke. I thought that this guy was one of my buddies calling me doing a prank, but it wasn't. It, it actually was the FBI. When I called him back, he said, I'm, I'm out of it. The FBI at Joplin, there's a guy, uh, an investigator doing an investigation out of Chicago. And he said, I'm doing this interview for him. And then when I met him, I met him at a little restaurant and there was two of them come out and I'm sitting there and, and they come in. And it, uh, he said that that uh, he was gonna talk to me and, and this other guy sat right by us and all he did was watch me. He must have been a profiler. And they sat there and talked to me for oh quite a while and asked me different questions. And, and like what? Were, what kind of questions? Well, they asked me about just pretty much about what you've asked me. And, uh, and he said that anything that I, if I ever remember anything, call him and that would relay the message to the guy in Chicago. I've spoken to Lonnie on several occasions, mainly to hear him tell his story multiple times. Time and again, I found his version of events to be consistent and entirely plausible. I also learned from the Lawrence County Sheriff's Office that Lonnie was mentioned in their crime scene report. It noted that he was a volunteer fireman at the time, which makes sense why he would have been asked to assist in moving Tammy's body out of the gulch. That same report, however, did not mention that Lonnie helped carry the body. This doesn't mean he didn't help, only that there's no record of it. Lonnie maintains that up until the fall of 2021, when the FBI called him, no one from law enforcement had spoken to him since the day he found Tammy's body. What did they want from you? They just wanted to interview me and talk to me. And they took a DNA sample. And how did they do that? Well, my mouth. And why did they say they needed that? They said they're trying to eliminate everybody from, from being a suspect. 
And he said, we know that you touched the blanket. We know that. But he said that any DNA that would be found on her body or her clothes, they would be tested against. And since that day, I've never heard anything wrong. The fact that this meeting between Lonnie and the FBI occurred relatively recently says so much. For one, the FBI took Lonnie's DNA because they believe his story. Or, like me, couldn't rule out the possibility that he helped move Tammy's body. Also, that the Bureau is making another run at testing old DNA from Tammy's clothing, her body, the blanket, or any additional evidence found at the scene and collected throughout the investigation. They said, we done got stuff from their families. So, DNA from their families. So, they, uh, when they'd come and talk to me, it was probably on, you know, on their list of people to talk to. And they said that it, uh, that's all they really needed. It seems to me that law enforcement is trying to produce a match, rule out anyone who could have inadvertently left DNA at the scene or potentially build a genealogy database. What's more, the FBI has had Lonnie DeMott's DNA for a year and a half and has not made any moves to arrest him. The FBI and ISP won't comment on an active investigation, but likely if Lonnie was their guy, he'd be locked up by now. So they took the DNA, and how did you feel about that? Oh, it didn't bother me because, I mean, I knew I wasn't part of it, but it, uh, they got to eliminate everybody. And I, I figured that, you know, I could have been a craphead and said, no, I'm not going to do it, you know. I'm, but like I told him, it's the easiest way to disinvolve me from what you're doing is you know, to give you a DNA sample. Like many others in this story, Lonnie DeMott's integrity has been questioned. I spoke to a source who claimed Lonnie once gave an interview to a major media outlet and scared the reporter so much that they wondered if he was confessing to Tammy's murder. It makes sense to be initially suspicious of Lonnie DeMott. He found the body, and he hesitated about calling it in. He then offered to help move it almost guaranteeing some of his DNA would be left at the scene. But in the end, as far as Lonnie DeMott is concerned, I have found zero evidence that he had anything to do with Tammy Zawicki's abduction or murder. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Thank you. 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Two thousand two marked the tenth anniversary of Tammy's death. The FBI offered a fifty thousand dollar reward for any information leading to the arrest and conviction in Tammy's kidnapping and murder. The milestone also led to an onslaught of media coverage, which in turn provided newly retired ISP investigator Marty McCarthy a platform to voice his opinions. All the airtime and print space that the media gave to Marty's theories about the eyewitnesses' claims regarding Lonnie Beerbrot were hard to ignore. Which is why, I think, the ISP and FBI decided to make a few moves. As the agent in charge, this was, you know, this case kind of came to me with the with the press guy saying, hey, you know, the news media wants to do something on this thing. Thomas Kinnear was the special agent in charge of one of the FBI's southern field offices. He was tasked with interviewing Lonnie Beerbrot's ex-wife. At that 10-year mark, he still seemed to be the most logical guy, you know. And so I said, get her an interviewer again. You know, so I know she's probably been interviewed multiple times, but interview her again, and then see if she'll submit to a polygraph on this thing once and for all. Lonnie Beerbrod had died by the time his ex-wife took the polygraph. If she had ever been afraid to speak up before his death, there was no reason to protect him any longer. And if anybody could get a confession or do a polygraph, I mean, I would put, I would put my money on this guy. Out of all the places I've been and all the polygraphers that I've had that worked you know, for me, this guy was by far the best. Many might know that polygraphs are not allowed as evidence in court. But the beauty of polygraphing Beerbrot's ex-wife was that it wasn't for any sort of court proceeding. It was to gauge whether she was telling the truth about not having the green musical watch 
and not having any knowledge of her ex-husband's involvement in Tammy's murder. The pre-polygraph interview, which can be far more in-depth than the actual polygraph, also gave the interviewer an opportunity to check her story for inconsistencies. So I was waiting and waiting and waiting and... and uh... And, you know, when he does a polygraph, it's not a it's not a 20 minute operation. So he called me later in the day and he said, well, it's probably not what you want to hear. But I ran her three times. I changed up the questions. You know, we taught him. You know, we spent hours on, uh, you know, the pretest and just like I would on anything else. And in my estimation is she's telling the truth. Beerbrot's ex-wife also spoke to the media around this time. In an interview with the Courier-Post newspaper, she stated that her husband had never given her a musical watch and that she was puzzled by the origin of the story. What's more, she said if she thought for one minute that he had been involved in Tammy's abduction and murder, quote, I would have gone straight to the police. I think, you know, I mean, it's always easy to tell the truth, right? When you start making up stories, it'll change over time. I mean, if, you know, if I told you a lie today and you came back to me five years later and asked me, hey, uh, you know, Tom, you know, you know, and asked me the same question, I may not respond the same way. Right. Right. You might change one little thing. I mean, how often do people get interviewed by either the Illinois State Police, the Missouri Highway Patrol, whoever was investigating down there, or the FBI. I mean, that's probably, for most people, unless you're just a criminal, it's probably a one-time event in your life. You would think that story would be easy to recite over and over and over again. Much like the ISP and FBI back in 2002, I felt I needed to speak to Lonnie Bierbrot's ex-wife. But all my attempts, calls, messages, even door knocks, went unanswered. My associate producer did manage to make contact in late 2022. Lonnie Bierbrot's ex-wife wasn't in a hurry to get off the phone, though she did ultimately decline to be interviewed for the podcast. I have no reason not to believe her. It's also not her obligation to make anyone believe her. She's a private citizen who's already spoken to police and the media about what she knows. As for Tammy's watch? The watch is still missing. The watch is is still out there. It's still among the list of of items that um, would connect someone to this investigation. Jeff Padilla was a young detective with the Illinois State Police in 1992, the year Tammy was murdered. He was familiar with the case, but wouldn't get involved until 2012, when he became squad supervisor over a group of detectives working missing persons and murder cases in the region. At that time, the case was a bit stalled, and there hadn't been what I thought was an appropriate amount of uh, movement on it, so I assigned myself and a number of other of my detectives to go back and look at the investigation from the very beginning. That meant re-interviewing old witnesses and reviewing the many theories that had gotten attention over the years. There was a time where uh, in the heart of this uh, second, like real push in this investigation, 
where we were getting a lot of media inquiries and there was a lot of uh, physical evidence that had never been analyzed. As for Marty's eyewitness, the woman whose claims fueled rampant speculation about Lonnie Bierbrot and created a narrative about the whereabouts of Tammy's watch, Padilla says her story never passed the smell test. Yeah, it was completely false. And the way that she identified Lonnie Bierbrot was she was going by on the interstate in the opposite direction while doing 75 miles an hour, which I take witness identification with a huge grain of salt. And it has to be backed up with evidence. Even more important is the fact that her story about seeing Lonnie Bierbrot's wife wearing a watch similar to Tammy's was nowhere in her initial statements to police. By the time she had told Marty McCarthy her version of events 10 years later, the information about Tammy's watch had already been made public. So then Lonnie Bierbrot suddenly became a very heavy focus of the investigation. You know, he, he voluntarily came in and gave blood and DNA samples. And since then, we know that, that he was not our offender in this case. Lonnie Bierbrot was eliminated from our, from our investigation as a, as a suspect. Padilla says that Lonnie Bierbrot had been ruled out through DNA and blood analysis as early as 1993. How did Marty not know about this? He wasn't working the case, but as an ISP investigator, it's surprising he'd be completely kept out of the loop. He was not, was not involved in overall investigative decisions or command decisions with regard to the investigation. He alone perpetuated the Lonnie Bierbrot sort of fantasy as a suspect because he was not aware of, and, and rightfully so, he was no longer part of the investigation. So he wasn't aware that Lonnie had been uh, eliminated. I respect Marty McCarthy's public service and his work as a detective. His many achievements speak for themselves. But I was going to have to go back to him at some point, provide him with what I had developed, and allow him a chance to speak to it. Jeff Padilla and the Illinois State Police bear some responsibility. More than 20 years after clearing Lonnie Bierbrot as a suspect in Tammy Zawicki's murder, he was quoted in a news article describing Bierbrot as, quote, someone who remains a person of interest because of some of the circumstantial information surrounding him, end quote. Why did investigators allow Lonnie's name to be dragged through the mud for decades? I mean, he remained a, an option because the DNA, certainly in, that was when DNA was in its infancy. Uh, many of the tests weren't trusted. As Padilla explained, even with his new team of investigators re-examining the case files, not much progress was made in the investigation. So in 2014, law enforcement decided to try a different approach. We weren't going to uh, narrow our investigation based on our preconceived notions. And, and, th and that's why, you know, ultimately it was, it was really, really beneficial to us to take the investigation to the VDOC Society in Philadelphia. The VDOC Society is an elite group of experts in the criminology field, ranging from federal agents to forensic pathologists. Their work is pro bono, so there's a limited number of cases they can take on each year. Tammy's was one of them. We got a lot from them. 
And in fact, the direction we went thereafter was because of information we had received from the VDOC Society. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Eugene Francois Vidoc was a 19th century Frenchman and world-renowned detective. He got his start as a criminal before becoming an informant and eventually an agent. His admirers included three forensic experts who founded the VDOC Society in 1990 and named it in his honor. Each month, experts from all fields of criminology meet to go through cases presented by police departments from across the country. The VDOC Society agreeing to look at your case is a huge deal and requires lengthy preparation. Investigators need to go through every element of the case file follow up on outstanding leads, and make sure they're ready to present and defend their work to VDOC members. We were only the second group from the Illinois State Police to ever present to the VDOC Society. Jeff Padilla says the group helped change the ISP's approach to Tammy's case. We were had a number of dead ends until we, we spoke to the VDOC Society. They provided us with insight into, for example, the wound pattern and 
evidence that were in the crime, the, the autopsy photos. The group's theory about the nature of Tammy's stab wounds piqued my interest. Several members of law enforcement have told me the seven stab wounds around Tammy's heart were not methodical. Members of the VDOC Society had a different opinion. And sitting in a room with, you know, a hundred highly experienced scientists, forensic scientists, coroners, detectives, and, and uh, psychiatrists and psychologists involved in, in criminal investigations. So that, that was pointed out to us that that was likely, uh, there, there was a pattern to the stab wounds. The group also had a different opinion about how long Tammy's body had been out on the roadside before it was discovered. Two people, Lonnie DeMont and a police source who helped move Tammy's body back in 1992, both claimed that she appeared to be in an advanced state of decomposition. The officer I spoke with even said that when he went to help pick up the body bag, Tammy's body nearly came apart. I mean, that may have been his, his impression, but she was not, no, she was not that decomposed. Like, that's some of the, the misinformation that's out there. One of the real stumpers in the, in the investigation was that, you know, she was missing for all that time, but she was not that decomposed. She was certainly recognizable. Padilla says he and other investigators can't be exactly sure how long Tammy was dead before she was discovered, nor can he officially rule out one of the more wild theories in the case, the idea that her body was kept in a refrigerated truck. What he and many of his colleagues who are actively working the case are in agreement about is that it's unlikely that Tammy was on the roadway for days on end. That remains an open question and something that we've struggled with throughout the investigation. They did bring in the famous forensic entomologist from, um, I believe he's from the University of Indiana. And he went through, he's the one that gave the uh, age of the, of, the, um, of the flies to be able to, to give us an idea how long she had been out there, which also supported the fact that she was not, she had not been out there very long. Based on the life of a flight, the uh, blue bottle fly cycle, it may have been a day or a day and a half. Taking into account what the VDOC experts found, one theory is that Tammy may have been kept alive at least a week after her abduction. I never mentioned that to Mrs. Zywicki because I, I never wanted, you know, my supposition, you know, it was bad enough what she had gone through. And, and, and for me to, to suppose something like that, just because it's a possibility that didn't, you know, I never wanted to say that to her until, until I 100% knew that that may have been the case. It's a deeply troubling idea, though other evidence in the case does seem to support the theory. You know, there was an al analysis of the food that was in her stomach. So we know that she had a meal, which we had the receipts for just before she broke down. Padilla is referring to the Hardy's fast food chain, where Tammy picked up some lunch. Many have thought the fact that she had undigested food in her stomach was a clear indicator she'd been killed right away. But scientists who looked at the case think it's possible that her parasympathetic system, the part of the nervous system that controls things like rest and digestion, was overwhelmed by the stress of the situation. More simply put, her body was stuck in flight mode and unable to do much else. Those same scientists also said they couldn't rule out the possibility that Tammy's killer kept her somewhere and fed her during that time period. So one of the aspects was the food that, was, that had remained in her stomach when her body was recovered. 
So you would think a meal that you ate today is going to be completely digested nine days from now or seven days from now or five days from now, really, you know, within, you would think within 24 hours. However, we debated the timeline based on when her body was recovered, there was still undigested food in her, in her, in her stomach. And so, yeah, how to explain that? Investigators like Padilla have pushed back against the theory that Tammy's body was in an advanced state of decomposition. But she had been outside for a significant amount of time that it was difficult to know exactly what happened. For example, Padilla says it was almost impossible to tell whether Tammy was sexually assaulted. It was something the ISP did initially look into in the 90s, but the technology wasn't as advanced then as it is today. And there was an initial positive positive indication for DNA on a vaginal swab that was later determined to be a false positive. There was never any semen collected. There was never any seminal fluid connected. I mean, she was fully clothed. Her t-shirt was on, her bra was on, her panties were on correctly, her shorts were on. There was no appearance of sexual assault. Not That doesn't mean that there wasn't sexual activity. To me, the question of whether or not Tammy's murder was a sex crime could play a vital role in searching for viable suspects. Quite often, for the offender, sex crimes have le- very little to do with our own ideas of traditional sexual acts. And so uh, we always had the, the, the potential that this was a sex-related uh, homicide. And so that's always been a you know, been out there. And that, 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 to my knowledge, that remains a, a possibility. The VDOC Society floated the theory that Tammy could have been unconscious when she was stabbed and that the act of stabbing her was a way to wake her up. Like a sternum rub. And then, and then the one is, one is deep enough where it's not in her sternum. It goes between, her, between the ribs and punctures her pericardial sac. And she ends up dying from that. And was there a toxicology report done? Any presence of any type of drugs in her system that uh, he could have used? Yeah, I mean, we thought about like if he used chloroform or, or something like that. I, I believe we were told at the time that n- nothing like that would have remained in her system. You know, it's not like today's Rufinol or, or something more powerful where, where it would stay in her system. Um, basically, if chloroform was used, through, you know, through a soaked rag, she would be knocked unconscious. And then by the time she woke up, all of that would be the, the chloroform would be out of her system. A forensic psychiatrist told me years ago that a knife can be what he called a surrogate penis. Yeah, 100%. To compensate for sexual dysfunction. Yes, we, we also thought that the puncture that killed Tammy may have been inadvertent in the process so that the series of stab wounds in the center of her chest, which were all very close, it was the size of a pie plate. So if somebody's fighting, you're not going to get, you know, shallow depth stab wounds in, in a pie plate. Right. You know, if I'm trying to stab you, you're going to be fighting back. You're going to get stabbed in the hand, in the arm, in the forearm, in the elbow, in the you know, in the in your bicep, your tricep, I'm maybe going to get you in the chest. But these were, you know, so these these were a, a very different. Padilla says the information 
from the VDOC Society changed the ISP's direction of the case. The group helped them identify new pools of suspects and, more importantly, potential new sources of DNA, which they could go on to test and use to create genealogical profiles. And as often is the case with active investigations, new developments are ongoing for the ISP and for myself. After hearing the first couple episodes from this season, a detective from a neighboring town from where Tammy went missing contacted me with information few had heard, along with a new suspect. Someone who checked nearly every box in Tammy Zawicki's murder and was found in possession of what some may call a trophy. On the next episode of Paper Ghosts. The body was, it's obviously signs of, you know, just brutal, um, almost like a torturous thing that he did to her. She was, she was bound in duct tape. A couple of uh, local FBI agents came to my house um, and took a DNA swab uh, for me. I first called Joanne and we have this discussion about this is our one shot. You know, we, we may not get it again if we agree to do this. If you are enjoying Paper Ghosts, please listen to my other podcast, Crossing the Line with M. William Phelps, where I use the same storytelling elements you've heard in Paper Ghosts and cover missing person and murder cases. Paper Ghosts is written and executive produced by me, M. William Phelps, and iHeart executive producer, Christina Everett. Additional writing by our supervising producer, Julia Weaver. Our associate producer is Darby Masters. Audio editing and mixing by Christian Bowman and Abu Zafar. Our series theme, number 442, is written and performed by Thomas Phelps and Tom Mooney. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. 
Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.